0: Welcome back to another episode of Things My Friends Know. I'm your host, Lisa Lindenfelser, and I'm here to talk with my friends about their passions. In today's episode, we chat with Molly about her decision to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, including how she prepared and what advice she would give anyone looking to go on a similar adventure. Well, hello and welcome, and we're here today with Molly. Molly, we're so happy to have you. Thanks. I'm really excited to be here. So Molly, you have climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, which I learned today is in Africa, and I feel like the first question I need to know about is what possibly inspired you to do such a crazy
1: thing? That's that's a great question. Um, you're talking to a person who prior to doing that, I went camping mm-hmm. once. Oh, wow. And um, I had been on maybe like a handful of easy to moderate hikes. I'm not an outdoorsy person. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was actually, my, my goal and my dream for a long time had always been to just go to Tanzania and go on a safari, and go to Zanzibar which is an island off the coast of Tanzania it's like a tropical paradise i'm a big fan of beaches and tropical paradises so i saw this article in national geographic traveler about Zanzibar and i was like oh i want to go there and then when i looked it up and learned more about Tanzania i was like oh i can you know the serengeti's there i can go on safari kilimanjaro's there i can look at it like i was like i'm not i'm not a mountain climber <laughs> um and, and for several years, that was kind of like just in my mind, but I never had met anyone that really wanted to go. And I mean, I'm all for solo travel, but I just thought like, it's really far away. It's a third world country. I just don't know if I'm comfortable going solo to, to Tanzania by myself. So I finally, I, I've actually met a coworker um, that on an offsite, they were talking about Tanzania. And I kind of like basically invited myself <laughs> i was like you're going to tanzania with a friend can i come and um and she had mentioned you know climbing kilimanjaro and i was like okay well maybe we can all go on safari together you guys can climb kilimanjaro i will go to zanzibar and lay on the beach (laughs) and and she was like no you you should go like you can do it like very confidently it was like no problem you could do this and i I mean, I was, I was expecting like, okay, I don't have any mountain climbing equipment and I don't know anything about mountain climbing. And she's like, no, no, it's, you don't need oxygen. You don't need like picks or ropes or anything. It's, it's a hike. So she kind of like convinced me in five minutes that I could do this without me really knowing anything about it. So basically over the, over the, like a, probably the course of a few days, I just did some research and convinced myself I could do this. And so I, I was like, okay, like, yeah, let's, let's do it. This was probably like 20 Seventeen, maybe okay right. 2016 or 2017 and so about December 2018 we officially decided to book this trip and so my my dream was to go lay on a beach and my friend convinced me that I could climb a mountain and so <laughs> and then I convinced myself I could climb a mountain
0: and then you did it
1: <laughs> and, and then I did
0: wow wow uh that is super impressive planning a beach getaway to climbing a mountain is quite the jump <laughs>
1: It is, it is. It did end up being both. I did, I did do both of those things, but I will say, I think that climbing Killy was like, I enjoyed it way more than I ever thought I would. Like, not that I, I was excited to do it, but I had no idea what to to expect. And I, like I said, I'm not very outdoorsy and I thought like, this is, I, yeah, I didn't know what to expect, but I ended up loving it. I think the most.
0: Wow. Even over Zanzibar with the beautiful beaches.
1: It, they are beautiful beaches. I, I, it was a close. It was close. Yeah. <laughs>
0: was close second. I mean, that's pretty impressive for someone who like had only, h- only hiked like one time in your life or only gone camping one time in your life to actually feeling like this huge feat is just as awesome as chilling on the beach. I mean, then that's super impressive in and of itself is that it was such a wonderful experience.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, it. I mean, it was just unlike anything. I've ever done before. And so we took what, what the locals call the Coca-Cola route. So (laughs) it's, it's quote unquote, the easy route because you're staying in huts, like you're not camping in tents, you're staying in huts and there's toilets, real toilets Mm -hmm. at all the sites, except the last one. Side note, second most challenging thing is using drop toilets.
0: I don't Um, even know what that is.
1: It's, it's a hole in the ground. Oh gosh. You know, surrounded by uh, you know, walls for privacy, of course. (laughs) Um, so yeah, the the, drop toilets was the second most challenging thing
0: about About climbing
1: Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did not like, did not like that part. Um, but despite it being like, you know, the, the easy route, I still found it plenty challenging. So it it was just enough challenge for me.
0: Well, I mean, tell us about the process for actually preparing to hike up a mountain, even if it is the Coca-Cola
1: route so the first thing I, I needed to figure out was what are my hiking boots going to be? Cause I had read several articles and it was like, this is the key to having a successful climb is good hiking boots. Because if you get blisters or you don't break them in or whatever, then you're kind of screwed for the rest of the hike. You're going to be miserable. Hmm. So I did an obsessive amount of research <laughs> on, on hiking boots, took several trips to REI and, and moose jaw. And, um, I don't remember what brand I got, but I still have them and they are very comfortable. So I, so I purchased some hiking boots and started breaking them in. And as far as physical training, really, I just did like the elliptical and, um, the treadmill on the highest incline I could do. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, because you know, all the, all the articles and books that I was reading were basically like the, the summit night that is when it will be the steepest. And so if you can like handle and train for that part, then you can handle the rest of it. Hmm. Um, And I think when when I read steep, I was like, okay, steep. But like, (laughs) it was so much more steeper than I anticipated. We were doing like cross- crossbacks, mm-hmm. like going this, you know, um, I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, you know, it's kind uh, of like a Z
0: shape where you like yeah, go back like and forth back and back and forth. Yeah. Yes, to go up because, something very steep. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I, I, for probably about six to eight months before we left, I started do, you know, going to the gym a few times a week to, to go on a very high incline on the treadmill and the elliptical. Wow. I mean, in your hiking boots. Uh, Sometimes in my hiking boots, but more so to break in my hiking boots. I just went on long walks in them. Okay. So I did not take my hiking boots to the gym very often.
2: So I've read things where when you go on hikes like this, you're burning so many calories that people just pack all the garbage food they've ever loved in their lives. And they just like get to slam it because they're so, you know, Lack of calories, I guess, is just the term. But did you have that situation, and like, what was the food that you were bringing to keep yourself pumped up?
1: So, because I am not an experienced hiker or outdoor person or mountain climber, uh, my friend and I, my friend was not either. We to, we went with a guided tour. We went. We had guides take us up the mountain. Mm-hmm. So through this company, the price included all of our meals. Sweet. And so they. They, they cooked, you know, breakfast and we had like picnic lunch every day and um, dinner for us. And it was probably like some of the best I've ever eaten as far as like health wise wow. and, and taste wise, like the, it was just incredible cooking for every meal. And um, so we did pack like some protein bars and granola bars just because like, we weren't sure what to expect with the food either. right But yeah, they, they cooked incredible meals on a mountain. I'm not sure how they, how they, um, <laughs> they
2: provisioned everything, like
1: but like it was, it was incredibly good meals and pretty healthy. So they they kept us pretty fueled.
0: That's amazing. How long did like the entire process take to actually go up the mountain? Like you mentioned that you camped in huts and things like that. So like how many actual days was it?
1: So it was, it was seven days, five days up, um, two days down. Wow. They have you go. Really slow up, they call it pole pole, slow. They have you go really slow up the mountain so that you can take the time to acclimatize. The route we took, called the Marengu route, is known for actually like people are like 50% of people don't actually successfully complete it because most people take it fast. Mm. And so they don't take the time to properly acclimatize, and you can see you get altitude sickness. So the company we went with, they purposely take people up for five days when some people do it in three so, so that we could take properly acclimatize. So it's five days up and then two days down. Going down, surprisingly, was, was much harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> like the whole time we're going up, I'm like... can't wait to go down but especially going down the steep part like it was painful after a while um I had probably three layers of socks on and my and my toes were still moving slightly and hitting the front so by by the by the end of summit night it was just like I just needed to get my feet off of the ground
0: Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense because like you're, I feel like the momentum in your body and like all of that, like it would be really difficult to move down. Like even if you were doing the zigzag approach, like it's still a lot of pressure on your toes and like leaning forward. So that would be difficult.
1: Yeah. There was, I remember when we first started up, they, you know, they explained pulley pulley to us and that we would be going very slow And I remember at first I was like, this is ridiculous. I feel like I'm practically stopping. Like (laughs) I was like, am I even moving? Uh, But after a while there was like, it really became kind of methodical and like almost like therapeutic. Like I said, I'm not outdoorsy and I've never done anything like this. So I was just so concentrated on like figuring out how to breathe as we got higher and higher and figuring out how to, how to move in a way that like. Kept the rhythm going, mm. that it was just, that was all I was focused on. We barely talked all day as we hiked and we just climbed and took in the crazy, beautiful scenery.
0: Wow. That's really interesting because like I know like I am not a runner myself I know Pablo has kind of done his fair share of jogging Um, but one of the biggest things that's important about that activity is breathing um, and making sure that you're breathing in a way that like gives you enough oxygen for your lungs so it's interesting to think about an activity that we think of super strenuous you were spending all of your time focusing on your breathing and making sure that you were getting the oxygen you needed to your body that's so crazy because it's like I wouldn't think of it as similar activities.
1: No, I wouldn't either. I'm not a runner, <laughs> so yeah, I, I wouldn't think of that either. But it was it it probably took about a day and a half for me to figure out that like the sh- shorter shorter quicker breaths were were easier, as, and as opposed to like taking these big deep breaths and trying to it, like it just felt like you're always trying to catch your breath the higher you get. But just shorter quicker breaths were much were much easier and much more natural after a while.
0: So you mentioned that you were wearing three pairs of socks on your trip down the mountain. So tell us a little bit about what the weather was like. Obviously you start at the base. So like, what was the weather mm-hmm. like there? What was the weather as you went farther and farther up the mountain? Like
1: what was all, that all about? So that was that was pretty cool because we went through like four climate zones. There, we, the, the bottom is rainforest, which is, it was so beautiful. And there was like monkeys in the trees and all these beautiful sounding birds. The so the the rainforest part was really cool because there's like waterfalls and it was just gorgeous. Um and mm-hmm. then after that uh it's the, I think they, they call it more moorland. So it's basically like low grassy shrubs area. And then after that it's um alpine desert and after that it's Arctic Arctic zone. Wow. So um I had I packed several layers clothes and basically added more layers the higher we went.
0: Wow. That's crazy. Four climate zones. That's and like I'm assuming that at the bottom when you're in the rainforest part, it was probably very humid and hot.
1: Yeah, it was pretty it was pretty humid. And I was actually pretty grateful that we were only in that zone for the first hike and then like a quarter of the second day by the time we got um, into that more land space it, and it started to cool off much, much more. And so that was a little bit nicer. And then it got colder and colder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: whoa. So if you had to guess like temperature wise, what it was like in the rainforest versus what it was like at the top of the mountain, like what
1: would you guess temperature wise? So if I remember correctly, temperature wise, it was in the teens at the, at the, top of the mountain. Oh. And then there was wind sh- with wind chill. Okay. Oh, so I don't know what it was with wind chill, but it was very cold. I remember I had, you know, all these articles recommended two layers of gloves, you know, multiple like fleece and base base layers and then a shell and then outer layer. And so I had my two layers of gloves. And after a while, like there's there's two points that you get to there's the summit, but before that there's a, there's a point called Gilman's point on our route at least. And when, by the time we got to Gilman's point, the sun had come up, but I I was, my hands were so cold. My guide gave, he traded gloves with me. Um, and these guys are so incredible. Like they, and they do this all the time, but like they, they nonchalantly climb this mountain, like it's nothing. And (laughs) you know, this, I, I saw some of these guides, like, like they didn't even have that as many layers on because they're just so, so used to it. But he, so he traded gloves with me, which I just thought they took such good care of us, but it was just like such a caring gesture. And I was so grateful because I don't know what kind of gloves he had, but they were better than, than mine. And so it was, um, my hands got a little bit warmer. <laughs>
0: That's crazy. Well, you mentioned all of the different layers of clothing that you had to pack. So did you also have like a huge ass backpack that you were also carrying as you were
1: hiking up? So I had a pack, um, probably, I think it was like 28 or 30 liter pack. So it was a day pack. Mm-hmm. And the company that we toured with, they had porters. And so we were we were able to pack, we were allowed, I think it's 15 pounds of other clothes in a, in another bag. And so the porters um, carried the second like bag for you. And oh my gosh, these guys like were, you know, they're like, pole, pole, you go slow. These guys are just racing up the mountain. Like <laughs> they got there, they, they were so fast and they would get to the site. Like at least half the day before we did wow it was it was insane the way that these guys climbed the mountain like it was nothing apparently the record is summiting and summoning and coming down in one day. Oh my gosh.
0: I mean, I guess you're
1: doing it. A local holds that record.
0: Wow. Wow. I mean, I guess if you are doing it, like it took you seven days. So if you are doing that every week, (laughs) you know, I'm assuming they get some time off, but like at some point that's just going to become second nature. Right.
1: Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Your body, your body just ultimately gets used to that altitude and, and, and ascending quickly.
0: That's insane. So you were staying in huts and camping in huts, but I'm assuming that there were no showers as part of these like different campsites. There were no showers. Um.
1: <laughs> so gosh, that was the best shower of my life when we got back to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> we were like scrubbing off just layers of like you know sweat and and dirt that we didn't really notice were on us until we saw the you know saw the dirt trickle down in the shower (laughs) but um yeah that was man that was the best shower of my life so we had you know we brought like body wipes like baby wipes with us and toothpaste and face wash and deodorant but yeah no no showers so that was a that was an interesting experience for me as well.
0: Was that difficult because I mean like I'm used to showering literally every day like I'm, of course I'm not washing my hair every day, but I'm showering every day. So was that
1: hard? It, it kind of was I I liked I like a shower as well. I like to shower all, pr- pretty much every day. Yeah, so I I kind of like had to mentally prepare myself for just a different type of hygiene for the week and um, it's it's really interesting how quickly your standards of of cleanliness change in a situation like that. Um, you know, the first day I was like trying to, they, they would bring you like a, a hot um, bowl of water every morning and in the evening. And I would try to like, make sure that I, you know, my towel didn't touch the ground or, um, (laughs) and you know, that my, you know, everything stayed up on the, on the little padded mattress. And after a while I was like, my towels over there, it's fine. Like as long as my toothbrush doesn't touch the ground, I'm fine. Uh, (laughs) like it, it just became, it, you know, it just wasn't a big deal anymore. And you're also, they're, they're, the huts aren't big. There's like four people could stay in one. And um, except for the first night, we shared our hut with with a couple from Germany that was climbing. And we like stayed with them kind of the whole trip. And so that was kind of nice because they it was their first time climbing it. And um, we kind of made some, some new friends. And you know, learned, learned about, you know, the German culture a little bit. And yeah, so it was kind of fun, like having, having this camping sleepover with, with some new people,
2: (laughs) some strangers. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So. You know, speaking of you meeting people and getting to know people on this trip, how what was the group like? So obviously you had a lot of support people who were there to guide you and support you and carry extra weight for you and set up camp for you and things like that. Like how big was the actual whole group of
1: people who were
0: there to climb the mountain and not like just support you? So
1: in our group, it was actually just my friend and I. So sometimes they will have multiple people on that, on the same week that they go, but it just so happened that for the week that we went and the company we went with, we were the only people, um, that had, that had booked for that week. So oh, wow. it was just us. The other couple that we were with was with a different tour group. Oh. Um, so with our group, there was 10, there was 10 people with us, but typically there would probably be another two or three people with you in, in that group. It just so happened that that week, it was just us that booked it.
0: That's crazy. What time of year were you actually climbing?
1: We went in October. So our goal was we wanted to try to go during a time when it would still be good for safari, a good time to climb the mountain and a good time to go to the beach. (laughs) But also we didn't want to go like peak season either. So Mm -hmm. we found that October was kind of that sweet spot of right on the edge of rainy season and you know, still, still good, still good safari time and still optimal time to climb the mountain before the rains started. I can't imagine climbing that mountain in the mud. <laughs> oh, <gosh.
0: laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be even, even more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So there were, you said 10 people total that included you and all of the people who are supporting you in the climb. A question that I have, which you definitely don't have to answer is, knowing that there were all of these people who were supporting you, preparing camp for you, preparing food for you. Like what was the cost associated with this?
1: I would have to like find the exact cost, but it was around $2,500.
0: Oh my gosh. That's insanely cheap. So it's, I mean, it does.
1: And I, and I believe there are much more expensive, you know, tour groups that you can go on. But for us, you know, we didn't, um, I think the much more expensive ones are the ones where you're actually camping because those people are also providing the equipment for you mm. unless you want to, you know, some people for me, it would sound crazy to bring a tent and a sleeping bag and whatever else from America over on a plane to, you know, so those, the companies that you're camping um, those tours are a little bit more expensive too, because they're also providing all of the equipment for you as well. So doing the Marengu height was also a bit more cost efficient.
0: Which is Yeah, which is crazy to think about because when you think about camping, you definitely think about cheaper, especially in the States um, because you're not paying for a hotel and you're not paying for all of these other things that come along with it. You're cooking all of your own food. So it's crazy yeah. to think that in this situation, camping is actually more expensive because they do have to provide you with more equipment.
1: Yeah, yeah the 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 company and I if anyone ever you know listening to this is interested I'll give you the information because I can't remember off the top of my head but I would recommend them to anyone like they were so incredibly like I said they were so attentive and caring and they were really you could tell they really loved doing what they were doing I remember we asked um the two main guys Clements and Roman we asked them like you know how many times do you take people up and they don't you know, summit, we were, we were like barraging them with questions like this the first day, because we were, we were nervous, like, what if we get altitude sickness, you can't, you know, if you get altitude sickness, you're kind of out, like, you can't, you can't really keep going. Um, And they were like, well, it's mostly people that don't listen. And my friend, my friend, Kristen, and I were like, we're gonna listen to everything you say.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, especially if they're making their living doing this, they probably do get to see a lot of different, like, people who approach things differently and, Um, don't listen and listen and yeah I I can't I'm not surprised at all that you were interested in hearing about their experiences because they do that for their lives yeah so what what surprised you most about this entire process of of climbing the mountain and getting to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro I think so aside from
1: the fact that going down was harder than (laughs) I thought um and that drop toilets were much more challenging than I ever thought I think I surprised myself by being, by just doing it. Mm -hmm. I, there was going into it, starting the hike and almost a little bit every day, there was a good portion of me that was like, am I going to be able to do this? Like, what if aside from altitude sickness, like, what if I am too tired? What if I'm too cold? Like, what if I just can't do it? So I was like almost afraid that I that I wouldn't be able to do it, and so and then at one point it just got to this point where I was like proving it to myself that I could. So I think just the fact that I a person that had been camping once and was not an avid hiker and um, is not generally outdoorsy or even athletic that I was persevered enough to just do it, and and I the feeling of getting to the summit was just the most incredible feeling. And it was so satisfying and so like overwhelming. <laughs> it was, it was amazing.
0: That does sound amazing. Like, and just kind of the way that you're describing it, it's just as much, if not more, of a mental journey than it is of a physical journey.
1: It really was. And it was, I mean, I, this might sound kind of like, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to sound like. But, you know, obviously we didn't have ourself, like, we had our, I had my cell phone for pictures, but like, we don't have Wi-Fi. We're not connected to anything. I was literally was off the grid for a week. And that was nice too. Like, it was nice to just be like disconnected from social media and the internet and texts and all that stuff for, for a week and just kind of like be with yourself. And obviously all the other people you're with, but like in your mind, you know, and, um, like I mentioned, there's two, there's two points. There's, the, there's a, there's a point before the summit that you get to. That's like basically the end of the extremely steep part of, mm-hmm. of the climb. And that is the, like, we left at 1130 at night and got to Gilman's point at about 630. I don't, I, there were other people that climbed it faster, but <laughs> it took us until 630 to get to Gilman's point. But right before we got there, the sun started to rise. And so we like paused and turned around and just watched it from where we were. And it was just like, (laughs) Kristen and I were both like, are we almost there? (laughs) You know, there's, there's everyone's, you know, they're wearing headlamps right at night. And so we, I would occasionally look up and just see like where, how far up are the other headlamps? Like, are they over, like, are they gone yet? How far away are we? And it was kind of actually hard to gauge anyways, because sometimes I would see headlamps and like, just because I wasn't seeing them didn't mean that they weren't there still because like, they just might've been behind a different portion of a rock or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we get to this point, we're so close to that first, I'll call it first peak. I don't know. And it was just like, we were able to pause and like watch the sunrise. And it was (laughs) at that point, I was like, I don't know if I even need to summit. Like this is this is enough. And then when we got to Gilman's point, I was like, no, I got to keep going. Like I, I have to, I have to finish. I've come this far.
0: So what was the reasoning behind actually climbing overnight and as opposed to during the day?
1: So the, the goal is that you get to Gilman's point or close to it in our case by sunrise so that you can watch the sunrise on the mountain, which it's at such an altitude that you can almost very very gradually see the curvature of the Earth at that altitude. Wow! So the goal is, if you climb at night, you can get to the you can get to that point at sunrise, and you get to experience that, and you get that gift, I'll call it. And then um, it, it was another, I think, hour and a half to the summit. And so leaving at night also allows you to get back to. The, the site that you're going to be spending the night at again
0: mm-hmm.
1: and enough time too. So what we did was we came uh, we on the descent, we stopped at the site that we had been at the night before and took a nap, a couple hour nap. And then we got up again and went back to the site, the previous site. So we basically were halfway down the mountain on that first day, wow. on that first descent day. Yeah. That's crazy. So it allows you to summit and get back to your, um, overnight site in enough time.
0: So the summit is, I'm assuming is referring to the toppest point of the mountain that you are going to reach as part of your hike. So mm-hmm. when you actually got to the summit, how long did you spend there before you started your hike back down to the camp?
1: Not that long. It was cold and windy and there's people, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, climbing as well at the same time and all, and also coming from different routes. Uh, so You know, of course, everyone wants their photo at the the sign. Um, And, you know, there's kind of like people waiting around. So obviously you don't want to take too long at the sign and, you know, uh, make other people wait too long. And then it's freezing. And then also it's hard to breathe up there. Mm. So we we were probably up there maybe 10 minutes and then we started
0: back
2: down. Yeah. Right back at it.
1: (laughs) Right back at it.
0: I bet you slept well that night.
1: (laughs) Oh, I did. I did. I I remember like... We were going down and in my head, like the next part of our trip, we were going to Zanzibar. And so in my head, I'm like chanting to myself, like oxygen, warmth, beaches, margaritas, like, it's <laughs> like giving myself like it's, uh, it's coming soon. Like you can, you'll be able to breathe easier and it'll be warmer and you'll have margaritas soon
0: wow that's crazy like you definitely think about how you spent five days trying to get to this one point and only to be there for 10 minutes is just like a funny thing to think about and you know you you do you did mention that like the the point that you were at where you got to watch the sunrise was super amazing and totally worth it in and of itself um but it is funny to think how little time you spent there
1: yeah and it was also um a pretty cloudy day as well when we got up there and so there wasn't much of a view as well at the summit so so it was it wasn't there wasn't a lot to look at other than just like snow blowing around <laughs> gotcha. you get enough of that in Michigan because I was <laughs> I
2: was reading and it's technically like the world's largest like single standing mountain right like it's not mm-hmm. associated to a range like you would see other mountains so were you yeah. able to see, like, super, super far out into, like, whatever the nature is around the mountain?
1: Um. So, because it was pretty cloudy, not as much as I would have liked to, Right. but when, um, I'll, I'll have to show you guys some pictures that, at looking from Gilman's point, when the sun was rising, you could, you could see, like, beyond the cloud cover, almost, and wow. you couldn't really see what was there, but, like, you could all, you could see past the cloudiness, almost, because that's what that was how far you could see out crazy that's insane yeah at the time I remember telling my friend like I'm so glad we did this but I don't think I need to do it again but I think the farther away I've gotten from the experience the more I'm like maybe I would do it again and like maybe I would plan it to like make sure there, there you know it was going to be excellent weather guaranteed I don't know like what time of year that would be and obviously you can't guarantee anything, but. You know October it was gonna be close to the rainy season so it is expected that you'd probably have more cloud cover and so yeah I I think like I would consider doing it again just to see if I could get that view
0: yeah I mean that would be definitely an experience you already won't forget but even being able to see as far as you can see at the top of the mountain would also be insane yeah unforgettable for sure.
2: And I'm sure having some experience would make you feel a lot better about it too now that you've done yeah. it once and know how to run the ropes basically.
1: Yeah, knowing what to expect. and there, there there, was definitely like a certain amount of anxiety I had about like just having no idea yeah. what to expect and if I'd be able to do it.
0: So what advice would you have for people who are considering a similar adventure or how would you inspire people who probably never even considered they could do
1: this? I mean, I, I think as far as people that don't think they could do it i would i would just point to me as an example like i said i i'm not an athletic person i do go through phases of going to the gym sometimes <laughs> but you know i'm i'm not particularly athletic i'm not super outdoorsy but i do like nature i like you know i like a nice hike this was the most extreme hike i've ever been on but um <laughs> but i think like it was such an experience that like I've never had anything like that before.
2: Mm-hmm. And it was
1: such an amazing like perspective to have. And it was such a nice amount. Like it was such a, I don't even know how to describe it, but like that time, the whole hike and obviously, you know, somebody was, it that, that experience was like, a I have, a, I'm losing my vocabulary right now. I don't, <laughs> it, it was such an incredible time. Like, I, I don't know how else to describe it. And I've never had that type of experience on any other trip i've taken connecting to your to yourself in that way um so I, I would i would almost tell anyone that they could do it it's just about you know don't don't uh wing it <laughs> <laughs> make make sure you break in your hiking boots and make sure you do some incline on the treadmill before i i, do, I certainly don't know that i would have been able to do it if i hadn't prepared a little bit like that and I think, you know, for anyone that is interested in doing it, one, I'd be happy to help you plan it. But two, there's so many books out there and articles and websites of people that have climbed it. I read like a little, um, this woman that climbed it, I think in the early 2000s, she basically had wrote a diary and then she turned it into a book and it was like a quick read. But that's kind of like really helped me prepare as far as like, I've never been here. I've never done this type of thing. It kind of gave me a little bit of insight into what to expect. So yeah, I I would just, I would look, look up books. There's, there's so many books and articles online that you can read about it and plan. There's so many packing lists. I had like 10 different packing lists that I was sourcing from trying to figure out like which one is, is better and which one is, (laughs) is going to be better for me. I made so many trips to REI and Moose Jaw (laughs) asking them crazy questions. They probably thought I was an insane person, but you know, trying to figure out like which fleece is the best and which socks are the best. And I, I, I think preparation obviously is just, is, is the best advice I could give to someone. Like just do your research and, and, you know, if you can find people that have done it and talk to them about it and and go for it, don't doubt yourself. You can do it.
0: It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it definitely sounds like Some of it is just being believing in yourself and um, being prepared that it's going to be just as much of a mentally exhausting activity as a physical one. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to say it. So how long did you actually so you you climb the mountain, you did the summit, you came all the way down, and then you went to Zanzibar. How long did you get to spend on the beaches after going through that
1: experience? Uh, we were in Zanzibar for about a week and if it were up to me, I would have stayed there. Um, (laughs) it was, like I said, I'm a big fan of tropical locations and beaches. So I think, I mean, overall I'd recommend Tanzania to someone, even if, so if you're like, uh, no, I'm out on mountain climbing, hard pass, Mm -hmm. uh, go and go on a safari and go to Zanzibar because both of those experiences were amazing in their own ways. I will say, you know, my friend and I talked about how Zanzibar, it was incredible, but like, obviously you can go to the Hawaii and you can go to Key West. Those are tropical locations and beaches there. So it's not like, you know, we had never been to a really nice beach that we wanted to stay at and, and live on for the rest of our lives. But it was just, I don't know, like the, there were so many cool shells we found and we went snorkeling and there's all this cool coral and the locals were really amazing and nice it was, it was just like the, it was honestly, I think, I think the most amazing part was just this ability to relax after we had climbed a mountain. Yeah. (laughs) It it was, I think that like added another level of like, of love (laughs) to (laughs) Zanzibar for us. Mm -hmm. Oh, so I know this is so random, but when you asked me about, you know, what I was surprised about, also surprised, I probably got the worst sunburn of my life on that mountain. Oh my gosh. Um, because you know I we I had put on sunscreen every day but there was one day where I didn't like reapply and I had I didn't have a hat on so I got really burnt lips and my nose got so burnt and then the back of my neck because it wasn't a cloudy day and the sun you're just like walking in the sun all day at a higher altitude and it's just beating down on you so that also surprised me I did not expect to get the worst sunburn of my life on a mountain.
0: (laughs) You know, that's really funny because I do feel like I got, um, we went to Alaska and that was one of the crazier sunburns I've ever had because like of where you're at, you are just closer than you would be in other places. And it was just like, we had nice weather while we were there, but you just definitely did not expect to get a sunburn in Alaska. And there we were. <laughs> the moral yeah. of the
2: story is you can still get a sunburn if it's cloudy
1: out. <laughs> yes, and yes you can. <laughs> yeah. So I arrived at Zanzibar already sunburned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well Molly it has been a joy hearing about your experience hearing about your preparation hearing about how beautiful it was of course we'll get some pictures for you to post on social media so all of our listeners can see some of the things that you got to see on your trip but before we wrap up is there anything else you want to share about this trip or the experience that our listeners should know
1: I th- I think I would really just say like I said I, I would I would recommend Tanzania to anyone. And I know it's not super accessible. It's not an easy trip to take. But like if you ever get the chance or if, if, if you've always wanted to go on a safari or climb a mountain, go. It is, you will not regret it. You will not regret any amount of money that you've spent on it. You won't regret the time off you took. Yeah, just go. You'll love it.
0: That's great advice, especially as um, hopefully the Rona times are getting less and less prevalent in our lives. So hopefully travel will be a lot easier in the next year or so for all of us. So I think that's really good advice as we've been kind of cooped up for over a year now to think about like, what is the thing that you really want to do and just go for it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Molly, thank you again for being here and for chatting with us. It's been an insane conversation and I've learned so much. Thank you for having me on the show. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of Things My Friends Know. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts.